0: CHAPTER 22 OF SLAVE PLANET BY LAWRENCE M. Janifer. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN WHEN THE CONFEDERATION FORCES REFORMED, THEY CAME ON WITH A CRASH. Todd had heard for months that Froiling's world would never stand up to a real assault. He had even thought he believed it. But the first attack had bolstered his gloomy confidence. And the results of the second came not only as a surprise, but as a naked shock. The Alberts, in spite of a few fearful masters, had been issued belbus tubes and fought valiantly with them. The batteries did everything expected of them, and the sky was lit with supernal flashes of blinding color throughout one hard-fought night. Dodd himself, carrying a huge Belbus beam, braced himself against the outer wall of building one and played the beam like a hose on any evidence of confederation ships up there in the lightning-lit sky he felt only like a robot doing an assigned and meaningless job and it was only later that he realized he had been shivering all the time he had used the killing beam as far as he could tell he had hit nothing at all the battle raged for six hours and by its end dodd was half deafened by the sound and half blinded by the sporadic rainbow flashes that meant a hit, or a miss, or a return blow lancing down from the ships to shake buildings and ground. At first he had thought of Norma, safe in the bunkers below Building 1. Then she had left his mind entirely, and there was only the battle, the beginning of all things, and the end. Only the battle and the four constant words in his mind. Even when the others began to retreat and Dodd heard the shouted orders, he never moved. His hands were frozen to the Belbus beam. His ears heard only battle, and his eyes saw only the shining results of his own firing. There was a familiar voice. Albans. Get out while you've got a chance. It's over. Another voice. Better surrender than get killed. The howls of a squad of Alberts as a beam lanced over them, touching them only glancingly. Not killing, but only subjecting them to an instant of punishment. And the howls ceased, swallowed up in the greater noise. A voice. Johnny! It meant nothing. Dodd no longer knew he had a name. He was only an extension of his beam, firing with hypnotized savagery into the limitless dark. Johnny! He heard his own voice answering. Get back to the bunker. You'll be safe in the bunker. Leave me alone. His voice was strange to his ears, like an echo of the blast themselves, rough and loud. Dawn was beginning to color the sky very slightly. That was good. In daylight he might be able to see the ships. He would fire the beam and see the ships die. That was good, though he hardly knew why. He knew only that it pleased him. He watched the dawn out of a corner of one eye. Johnny, it's all over. We've lost. It's finished, Johnny. Come with me, Norma's voice. But Norma was in the bunker. Norma had caused the battle. She had made the slaves. Now she was safe while he fought. The thought flickered over his mind like a beam blast and sank into blackness. Johnny, please. Johnny, come on now. Come on. You'll be safe. You don't want to die. No, of course he didn't. He fired the beam... Aimed, fired again, aimed again. He could die when his enemies were dead. He could die when everyone who was trying to kill him was dead. Then he could die, or live. It made no difference. He fired again, aimed again, fired. Johnny, please! The voice distracted him a little. No wonder he couldn't kill all the ships, with that voice distracting him. It went on and on. Johnny, you don't have to die. You're not responsible. Johnny, you aren't a slaver. You just had a job to do. Killing isn't the answer, Johnny. Death isn't the answer. The voice went on and on, but he tried to ignore it. He had to keep firing. That was his job, and more than his job. It was his life. It was all of his life that he had left. Dr. Hanligen had told her she was too close to see properly. And, of course, she was. Perhaps she knew that in the final seconds. Perhaps she never did. But that Dodd, who wanted to die, and who considered death the only proper atonement for his life, could have displaced that wish onto the Confederation, onto his enemies, and so reached a precarious and temporary balance, never occurred to her. And if it had, perhaps she could have done nothing better. Time had run out time had run out johnny dodd's enemies wanted him dead and so he had to kill them and so avoid killing himself and so avoid recognizing how much he himself wanted to be dead but the balance wasn't complete there was still the guilt still the terrible guilt that made it right for the confederation to kill him the guilt had to be displaced too norma did what she could did what she thought right you don't have to die she told him you're not responsible that was what he heard and it was enough he hadn't made the alberts into slaves he hadn't made the alberts into slaves but he knew who had long before it had all been carefully explained to him all of the tricks that had been used of course dodd thought of course he wasn't responsible He felt an enormous peace descend on him like a cloak as he turned with the beam in his hand and smiled at Norma. She began tentatively to return his smile. The beam cut her down where she stood and left a swath of jungle behind her black and smoking. Dodd, his job completed, dropped the beam. For one instant four words lit up in his mind and then everything went out into blankness and peace. The body remained, the body moved, the body lived, for a time. But after those four words, blinding and bright, and then swallowed up, Johnny Dodd was gone. He had found what he needed. This is the end. Public Opinion 6 From a cultural record of Froiling's world, Personal Histories of the Natives, called Alberts as dictated and preserved on tape by historical commission h and three dash forty dash nine subject called dara is dead in the returning when new masters come to us and say the fighting is over it is an accident which kills her a stumble they say against a plant which is dangerous to animal life and to our kind the accident is over and dara is dead and we return i find marvor after the fighting once only and i ask him what it is that is so important about this fighting the confederation the masters we now have are only masters like the ones we know marvor looks at me with a look as if he too is a master freedom is that important he says freedom is the most important thing I know that marva is not right because i know the most important thing it is the dead for me dara is most important and i remember puna who is dead in the fighting the rest does not matter i say this now knowing that the talk machine hears me and that the confederation hears me i say can freedom make me feel happy marva looks more like a master Freedom is good, he says. And yet Dara is dead, I say, and others are dead. How do I feel happy when I know this? In freedom, Marva tells us, Dara would be safe, and the others. Yet it is freedom that kills them, I say. Marva says, not freedom, but the war, the fight against our masters here, the old masters, to make them give us freedom. I say, do not our old masters have freedom? They do, Marver says, now. This puzzles me. I say, but they have freedom at all times. They have what they want, and if freedom is a good, and they want it, then they have it. Marver says, it is true. They have freedom for themselves. Yet these other masters tell them what to do, I say and fight them to make them do it. This is not the freedom you tell of, Marver says. There is a difference. I do not see this difference, and he cannot tell it to me, though he tries hard. But I think maybe the new masters can tell me what it is. Marver is going to what they call a school, and I also go. This is a place where masters tell things, and we must remember them remembering is not hard but we must think also and do work it is not enough to ask a question and find an answer it is necessary to find our own answers a master asks us to count and then to do things with the numbers we use in our counting this is called arithmetic we must do things with the numbers every day and if we do not the masters are not happy with us this arithmetic is hard It is all new, yet if I do it right, I do not find more food, or a better place, or anything I want. I do not see what is the use of this arithmetic. But the use does not matter, the master tells me a use. He says arithmetic and all the things in the school raise the cultural level. I do not know what a cultural level is, or if it is good to be raised. The masters do not care whether I know this. They make me do what they want me to do. And it is not simple like pushing buttons and watching a machine. It is not simple like all the things I do since I am small cadnan. It is hard, very hard, and all the time it is more hard. Every day there is a school. Every day there is hard work. Marver says that freedom means doing for yourself what you want and deciding right and wrong. I say freedom is bad, because the masters know right and wrong, and we do not. Others say with me, there are some who know the old truths and think it is better when we too can understand right and wrong. But the masters say what we have is freedom. I say it is not so. The masters tell us what to do. They tell us to do arithmetic, to do all other school things. And we do not do for ourselves what we want. We do not do anything for ourselves, but always the masters tell us. This is the same as before the fighting. It is always the same. A master is a master. But the old masters were the best. I remember the old masters and the old work, and I want this time to come again. I want the old work, which is easy, and not this new work, which is hard i want the old slavery where we know right and wrong and not the new slavery where only the masters know and they say they cannot tell us if i am free if i can decide for myself what it is that i want then this is what i decide i want the old masters back again i cadnan say this public opinion seven from the speech of dr anna before the high court earth of the confederation preparatory to the passing of sentence the attorneys for the confederation government have called our position cynical and my own attorneys have attempted without success to refute this charge as head of the psychological division on freiling's world previous to the unjustified intervention of confederation force in the affairs of that world I feel it incumbent on me to define a position which even our own advocates do not seem to understand. I bear a good deal of the responsibility for conditions on Froiling's world, and I have not shirked that responsibility. I found the natives of that world in a condition of slavery due to the work of my predecessors. I maintained them in that slavery, and made no move whatever to free them or to mitigate their status. This is, in truth, a cynical position. I do not believe, and I have never believed, that freedom is necessarily a good for all people at all times. Like any other quality, it can be used for good or for ill. In the contact between any barbarian people and any civilized people, some species of slavery is necessary. The barbarian does not know that he is a barbarian, And the only way to convey to him the fact that he stands at the bottom of a long ladder, a ladder so long that we have by no means reached its end, and have perhaps not yet seen its midpoint, is to force him to make contact with elements of civilization, and to utilize continuous force to keep this contact alive and viable. The alien, the barbarian, will not of himself continue contact in any meaningful manner. The gap is too great between his life and that of the civilized person, and a disparity so great becomes simply invisible. Under conditions of equality, the civilized person must degenerate to barbarian status. His mind can comprehend the barbarian, and he can move in that direction. The barbarian, incapable of comprehension of the civilized world, cannot move toward that which he cannot see. In order to bring him into motion, slavery and subjection appear necessities. There has been no civilization, of which we have record, which has not passed through a period of subjection to another, more forceful civilization. The Greeks, the Romans, the Jews, all the great civilizations of which there is available record, have passed through a period of slavery. Nor is this accidental some force must be applied to begin the motion towards civilization that force disguise it how you will is slavery it is clearly the attempt to make another person do what he would not do does not wish to do and sees no personal profit in doing under threat of punishment it is subjection that subjection is all we mean by slavery and slavery is a necessity. Perhaps we were wrong. Perhaps the slavery which was dictated to us by the conditions which prevailed upon Froiling's world was not the best sort available. But freedom is not, in any case, the answer. A man may die as the result of too much oxygen. A culture, likewise, may die of too much freedom. I have no fear of the sentence of this court. My death is unimportant, and I do not fear it. I might fear that my work might be left undone, were I not certain that, under whatever name, the Confederation will find it necessary to maintain slavery on Freiling's world. Of this I am quite sure. From the report of Gen Mo Darig Farnung, Commanding Confederation Expeditionary Force, Third Sector, from base of occupation froiling's world nc341574954 in the three planetary months approximately 92 solar days since occupation of this world no serious incidents have been reported the previous rulers of this world have been transshipped to earth for disposal there by confederation governmental process with the introduction of fully automated machinery The world's primary resources are being utilized for the good of the Confederation without the introduction of any form of slavery or forced labor whatever. Regarding education and aid as involving the native population, the initial shipments of teachers, investigators, and experts in xenopsychology have enabled the occupation force to begin a full educational program for the benefit of the natives this program has been accepted by the natives without delay and without any untoward incidents and reports to the contrary are assumed to have been initiated by disaffected personnel the program of education in a democratic and workable form of government for these natives is and must remain one of the shining examples of the liberative effects of confederation doctrine and government and should provide a valuable precedent in future cases reports that the profits of the major business of this world since the introduction of automated machinery and experts for the repair and upkeep thereof have decreased to the vanishing point should not be taken as serious this is assumed to be merely a temporary hardship due to the transfer workload from the natives to the automated structure since the only alternative is the placement of the workload on enslaved natives of this world The temporary rise in taxes due to the loss of essential product profit should be taken as a needed and welcome sacrifice in the name of liberty by the peoples of the Confederation. A list of further urgent materials, together with a list of specialties now urgently required in order to maintain full production here, and a revised schedule of budgetary requirements to include these additional requisitions, is hereby appended. End of chapter twenty two. Recording by Nick Bulka. End of Slave Planet by Lawrence M. Janifer.